welcome to Reading with Christine Figs. I'm your host, Christine, and I am so happy you are here with me today. In this episode, I'll be talking about my most recent read, The Truly Devious Trilogy by Maureen Johnson. If you follow me on Instagram or TikTok, then you know this series grabbed me by the throat. (laughs) I posted about it so much while I was reading it. It's a trilogy that I was gifted for Christmas by my parents, and holy crap, did I enjoy it. I read the first half of the first book at a pretty regular pace while it laid down the groundwork for the world our main character Stevie lives in. But once it picked up, I couldn't put it down. In the same day, I finished the entirety of the first book, read the whole second book, and then finished my day by reading the first quarter of the third book, only stopping because I couldn't keep my eyes open any longer. So I finished it the next day, naturally. (laughs) Let's dive into the description so we can talk a bit about the story. It goes like this. Ellingham Academy, and I'm going to warn you, I get so tongue-tied every single time I try to say Ellingham Academy. Ellingham Academy is a famous private school in Vermont for the brightest thinkers, inventors, and artists. It was founded by Albert Ellingham, an early 20th century tycoon who wanted to make a wonderful place full of riddles, twisting pathways, and gardens. A place, he said, where learning is a game. Shortly after the school opened, his wife and daughter were kidnapped. The only real clue was a mocking riddle listing methods of murder, signed with the frightening pseudonym Truly Devious. It became one of the great unsolved crimes of American history. True crime aficionado Stevie Bell is set to begin her first year at Ellingham Academy, and she has an ambitious plan. She will solve this cold case. That is, she will solve the case when she gets a good grip on her demanding new school life and her housemates, the inventor, the novelist, the actor, the artist, and the jokester. But something strange is happening. Truly Devious makes a surprise turn and the death, and I'm sorry, and death revisits Ellingham Academy. The past has crawled out of its grave. Someone has gotten away with murder. (laughs) Yep, it's a young adult murder mystery thriller filled with more twists and turns than I have ever read in my entire life. This book had me yelling out loud, what? (laughs) And oh my God, (laughs) more times than I can count. First, I want to address the young adult aspect. For anyone that might not know, young adult is a category of fiction written for readers typically from 12 to 18 years old. There are genres of every type in the young adult world, but you will be reading those stories from the eyes of a teenager. Now, is that sometimes frustrating with the only tad bit wiser eyes of a 35-year-old? Yes, of course. However, in my experience, young adult books are more complex than people give them credit for, providing great stories with thought-provoking plots. Personally, I really hate it when people turn their nose up at young adult books. Well, I mean, really, I hate it when anyone turns their nose up at any type of book, but it seems like when people make fun or negatively comment on stories wrapped around the lives of a teenager, it's as if they're saying they're above it all which has always frustrated me because being a teenager has been a part of all of our human experiences. So to actively and aggressively refuse to put yourself in their shoes, you're closing yourself off to an entire world of storytelling. I say this because were there times when I wanted to yell at Stevie, our main character, in my strong adult voice? Absolutely. (laughs) But at the same time, I couldn't have been a bigger cheerleader for her. From the very beginning, Stevie knows exactly what she wants, which is more than I could have said for myself at that age. She wants to solve crimes and be a detective. She reads more textbooks on crime than any other teenager probably would. 
And instead of listening to music, you can typically find her listening to the newest murder podcast where the entire time she is trying to solve it in her head. Ever since she was younger, she found herself drawn to the Ellingham case, a tragic case where Albert Ellingham one day receives the news that his wife and child have been taken and he is expected to pay a ransom that would be quite large to anyone else, but for a man of his wealth, well, he just so happens to have that kind of money sitting in his safe at home. From there, everything goes wrong, including the death of his wife and the disappearance of his daughter. It's an unsolved cold case and one that Stevie wants to solve. She applies to Ellingham Academy, which is the school that Albert built with the intention to encourage the minds of brilliant students by teaching them in unconventional ways. He builds a school filled with hidden tunnels and rooms, a tug here, a push there, and you can find yourself completely, completely, I'm sorry, you can find yourself somewhere completely different than where you had started if only you stayed curious enough to find it. I won't lie, I would have loved a school like this. <laughs> On Stevie's first day of school, she meets with the principal to discuss her class schedule and he says this to her. So, based on your interest, this is what we came up with. You'll be taking anatomy and physiology, statistics and Spanish. That covers your core and aligns with your interests, all very useful. Then we have you assigned to a tutor for readings in criminal justice and American legal history. You have yoga three times a week for your physical education, and everyone takes Dr. Quinn's literature and history seminar. I'm sorry, what? <laughs> a school that takes your interests into consideration so you're learning what every teenager should learn, but at the same time you're taking classes that are catered to your interests and therefore keep you motivated to continue learning? Sign me up. No, I don't care that I'm 35. <laughs> I hated school. When I was younger, I wasn't diagnosed with ADD until my freshman year of college, so I could never understand why my brain didn't work the way I needed it to. It led to many, many years of feeling stupid, like I clearly just wasn't as smart as everyone else I knew, which of course led to shame that it was my fault for not working hard enough. However, if there had been a curriculum, curriculum like this, something catered to my interests and for me specifically, Oh man, something that could hopefully teach me in a hands-on way in which I've learned is the best way that I learn, then I could have thrived in school. It's a far-fetched dream, I know that, especially given the fact that our teachers are stretched far past their breaking points in our world today. They don't have the funds, time, or support that they would need to cater to children like this, even if they wanted to. But what a magical world it would be if more schools like this existed. Okay, that's enough about that. Let's head back to our story. Stevie, very much feeling like a fish out of water, starts school with the determination of solving this cold case. And you know from the very beginning that this girl knows her stuff. She's so smart and incredibly perceptive. Reading her thoughts, it reminded me of Sherlock Holmes and his deductive observations. As her classes begin and she gets to know her roommates better, the unthinkable happens. One of her roommates is found dead, and after all investigations are done, it's ruled an accident. But something about this doesn't seem right. And so Stevie does what she does best. She puts herself on the case and is determined to figure out who could have murdered her friend. But it doesn't stop there. Before she knows it, more bodies are being found and they all seem to be connected to Stevie in some way. As the school is approaching, it's inevitable shutdown. You know, dying students seem to have that effect. Stevie knows that she must solve the case before a murderer goes free. The storyline alternates between what's happening in current day and what happened all of those years ago during the Ellingham abduction. 
So with each new chapter, you're learning more and more about both storylines. And like I said earlier, it will blow your mind. <laughs> Maureen Johnson fit more twists and turns into each of these storylines than I ever thought imaginable. And yet it was all so easy to follow along. In the end, I couldn't help but think, how did I not see it? <laughs> but that's the brilliance of her writing. I will say, just because I am proud, that I did solve one of the murders before the end of the book. But that was only because from the very beginning of being introduced to a certain character, I thought, hmm, I don't like you. I don't know why, but I don't like you. <laughs> In the end, when all is revealed for both cases, you feel such a sense of satisfaction finally knowing the truth. There were so many times I thought, wow, she could have ended the story right here, but she's already given us so much. But that, I'm sorry, but that was me just being incredibly naive because just like the Ellingham Academy, Maureen Johnson had so many paths that we would have never known were there unless she told us. So it was just such a great read and I definitely recommend it if you're looking for something that's going to keep you on your toes and keep you guessing the whole time. If you're interested in buying this trilogy, you can now, now, wow, I am struggling today, guys. I swear I know what I'm trying to say. It's just not coming out smoothly. <laughs> All right, let's start from the top. If you're interested in buying this trilogy, you can now find the books in my online shop, Reading with Christine Figs, which reminds me that I would love to give a quick shout out to Amy and Adele, two people I love dearly, but are also the first people to shop my online shop. Oh, I'm so excited. <laughs> and I love you both so much. It's just unbelievably wild to me that not only do I have an online bookstore, which is through bookshop.org, of course, but that you can actually shop the books that I recommend. What is my life right now? Oh my gosh. As for Amy and Adele, I love you both so much and thank you for supporting me always. All right, now onto the art portion of this episode where we will be discussing We Feed People, a documentary currently on Disney+. We Feed People from director Ron Howard spotlights renowned chef Jose Andres and his nonprofit World Central Kitchen's incredible mission and evolution over 12 years, from being a scrappy group of grassroots volunteers to becoming one of the most highly regarded humanitarian aid organizations in the disaster relief sector. Whew, what a description. Okay, so I first heard about Jose Andres after Hurricane Maria devastated Puerto Rico. In the middle of being scared for our family and our beloved island, being outraged, watching a disgusting human toss paper towels at those that needed more than what was being given to them, and feeling overwhelmingly helpless while those in positions of power seemed to do absolutely nothing to help, I saw Jose Andres. Here was this larger-than-life man cooking thousands upon thousands of meals, all to be hand-delivered throughout the island. It felt too good to be true, and at the same time, like this angel of a human had been exactly where he was needed most. In the end, serving 3.6 million meals to the people of Puerto Rico. After watching the documentary, I can tell you I have even more admiration and respect for this man and his generous heart. The documentary starts off with Haiti, a country devastated by a hurricane that took so much from them, until Jose asked the question, I see that the first concerns are getting power back to the island, but why is no one talking about food? How are the people of Haiti feeding themselves and their families if everything they have has been taken away? So he did what he could. He hopped on a plane and he started feeding people. 
He admits that at first he started making what he thought the people of Haiti would enjoy, cooking for them almost as if they were customers in one of his many restaurants. But he could tell that something was off with that decision. So instead, he asked the people of the island, what would you like to eat? If you show me, I can make it for you. Suddenly, he was learning from the very same people he was feeding, and in the end, created a sense of community with them. From there, the documentary follows Hurricane Maria as it makes its way to Puerto Rico. And that is when the lump really forms in my throat. Hurricane Maria resulted in the loss of 3,000 lives and about $90 billion in damage, making it the third costliest hurricane in U.S. history. And where was Jose? On the island, feeding as many people as he could. The moment he landed, he started purchasing as much food as he could so he could start cooking. He reached out to chefs all over the island, some with brick and mortar restaurants, some with food trucks, asking for their help to feed the people of the island. And in true Puerto Rican fashion, everyone that could showed up. Before he knew it, there were eight stations all throughout the island pumping out as much food as humanly possible. The volunteers of what has now officially become his nonprofit, World Central Kitchen, worked alongside him tirelessly cooking, packaging, and delivering food. Most of the items being purchased were being put on Jose's personal credit cards, maxing them out as he went along. And then in the documentary, you even see him having a conversation with the Red Cross, asking for their help to continue feeding the people of Puerto Rico as he was financially losing steam, only to be told of all of the legal tape wrapped around his situation that would not allow them to help. But he kept cooking anyway. That's what this documentary is about. After Puerto Rico, it follows him and his team hopping on planes to places all over the world, showing up as devastation strikes, ready to feed the people affected. He was right, of course. In moments like that, when the government is focusing on generating power back to the affected area, someone needs to think about the people. And that's exactly what World Central Kitchen has become known for doing. His goal is to make his nonprofit the first line of defense when devastations happen. FEMA and the Red Cross can show up and do what they do best. But World Central Kitchen, they're going to feed the people. I highly recommend this documentary if you want to be reminded of the generosity of the human race. There is a lot of crappy people in the world. We all know it. But then there's someone like Jose Andres who has surrounded himself with a team with hearts as big as his that while people are running away from the danger, they are running towards it with a paella pan in hand ready to feed the world. Yeah. It's a really good one. It's going to make your heart feel really warm and fuzzy. (laughs) All right, my loves, that's all for now. I hope you've enjoyed this episode and that you stay tuned for the next one where I talk about my current read, The Love Hypothesis by Allie Hazelwood. So until next time, I hope you read. And if you can't, because that's just how life goes sometimes, I hope you enjoy some art in whatever form you find it. Because when life gets difficult, it is art in all of its many forms that can hold us heal us, and give us hope. I love you all. Happy reading.